Ooh, speaking of got it. Hey. I'm just nothing but impressed with you right now. One year in, finally <laughs> got the hang of it. <laughs> I think I figured the pattern out. Crack the code. Good job, Nick. Thanks. I'm impressed. Hi, everyone, and welcome to What Would My Shrink Say, a podcast where you get inside the heads of a couple psychologists and see life through their eyes. You'll never be the same. All right, Todd, I got a question for you. Sure. Actually, it was a question for me that I want to punt to you because I didn't have a very good answer for it, I don't think. But a client uh, in therapy the other day said, you know, I'm just self-aware enough to realize I don't think I have very good self-awareness. Hmm. That, that does seem like a level of self-awareness, though. I said, you got something. <laughs> <laughs> You've got some um, form of self-awareness. Yeah, the fact that you're thinking about self-awareness suggests you, I think, have some self-awareness. But, you know, like a lot of terms in psychology and mental health, I think self-awareness is one of those things everybody basically knows what it means, but almost nobody really knows what it means. How do like, you how do you define it? <clears throat> well, I had to think about this for a while. Um, and I, I, did, I did come up with a working definition. You, okay. re- you ready for this? Yeah, I'm ready. I think self-awareness is the habit of paying attention to the way we think, feel, and behave. What do you think of that? Yeah, I I think that's... um, The the habit makes me wonder. Mm. Um, Because I I think a really popular idea is that you either have it or you don't. Mm-hmm. It's of, a trait. It's like yeah, a personality it's, a tra- it's more trait. of a trait than a, than a behavior mm-hmm. that's become a habit. Um, I'm curious about this because if you're calling it a habit, mm-hmm. I kind of know you. And so <laughs> you, you think it's a behavior, which you think then could be learned and taught. Mm-hmm. Is that where, am I right? Yeah, so I guess, I, I mean, I think like a lot of, tra- I think there are very few traits that are just purely intrinsic or genetic or inherited or, or purely kind of learned or constructed. Um, I think oftentimes it's learning takes place on top of natural inclinations, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So I think self-awareness is probably one of these things where I'm sure different people start off with or kind of inherit varying degrees of self-awareness. I mean, I think we all know people who are just like kind of the opposite of self, just oblivious, like they're right. not very self-aware at all. Right. Um, and then some people who are maybe kind of hyper self-aware too (laughs) self-aware yeah maybe we can talk about that but (laughs) but even though that's the case that you can i think you can probably inherit some degree of self-awareness in the sense that it probably is a trait to some extent i still think it's also a very learnable thing so i I think it's both yeah and i the more i think about it though i i I do believe self-awareness could be kind of easy, not easily, but but taught to a child. I mean, you could teach a child to be more self-aware for mm-hmm. sure, right? Like, hey, watch, watch this, watch that. Are you, you know, kind of asking the questions that would then mm-hmm. pull for self-aware or, or at least self-observation in a way. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And so maybe you could train it up pretty easy. So I see your point, and I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and agree. Yeah, yeah. I also I say habit because I think it's. It's just a more helpful way of looking at it. It is a repetitive thing. It's not, if you're self-aware, it's not that you are self-aware once a month. Yeah, you can kind of 
force anyone to briefly be self-aware. You can right. really hold their feet to the fire and kind of get them thinking. And but mm. but someone who's self-aware that implies they kind of have this own self-sustaining habit of mm -hmm. checking mm -hmm. in with themselves mm -hmm. and like, what's going on? How come this happened? Why did I respond this way? Mm -hmm. um, well, there's so many things to be self-aware about. I think too so many aspects to self-awareness maybe or topics for mm -hmm. self-awareness it's interesting yeah yeah this is a fascinating topic that there's not a ton of research on oh so i went and looked yeah, i have up, no idea i went and looked up some, some there's just not a lot out there yeah on this at all huh. even some of the definitions of self-awareness were really different hmm. yeah really like uh, some people looked at self-awareness as far as how you what you're how you're perceived by other people. Like, are you aware of how you're being perceived? Hmm. Um, some of those traits, what are my traits? What are my strengths, weaknesses? Am, am I aware of those? Seems like others awareness. <laughs> or even your own, like what are my strengths, weaknesses? Well, no, but it, the definition of it being how you're perceived by others, you being aware of how others oh. perceive you. It's well, it's more, it's more of like, um, I think the, the author gave the example of if your fly is down, Mm -hmm. and you're walking through a hallway and people are kind of looking at you like, are you picking right. up on that, that they're yeah. looking at you strange, you know? Are you yeah. are you aware enough to say, hey, I'm getting different glances uh -huh. than I'm usually, you know, it must be something's off, you know, and then... Off with me, specifically. Or, or there's something, you know, people are looking at me strangely, more strangely than they usually, you mm -hmm. know, whatever. And are you aware to pick up on even those subtle things enough yeah. to kind of wonder... Is there, is there something about uh -huh. it? Can you form that hypothesis of like, mm. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. There, and I think there is something. When people complain about lack of self-awareness, it often has a interpersonal component mm -hmm. to it. Like that's mm -hmm. very, very common, I think. Um, yeah. This guy in therapy who was bringing this up said he, his wife often complains that he tends to um, sort of dominate conversations like at dinner parties or mm. in, you know, just all sorts of interpersonal situations. He just like gets rolling and isn't really aware that it's other people kind of want to talk or that he's really like monopolizing the conversation. Yeah. Um, in part because he just gets so excited. He's just in it. You know, he's really in the conversation and he doesn't have that, or at least not as much as he would like, that mechanism of being able to like step outside himself and monitor and uh, go like, hmm, am I talking too much? Are other people looking a little like uncomfortable? You know? Oh, so he's not even asking himself those questions, you feel like? I mean, he, he does eventually, but he, it, it it's a real, that's not natural for yeah. him. Um, where I think other people are constantly monitoring how are other people thinking about me? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, I think I'm painfully aware. I just don't have the self-regulation skills to stop talking. <laughs> well, that, and that's it. <laughs> so I think you can be self-aware and still. Yeah. <laughs> still be like, yeah. I'm not, I can't I stop this train. <laughs> right. <laughs> I know what's going off the rails. It's happening. But I think there is that kind of person who frequently gets feedback from other people about this thing that they're not right. noticing. Right. Or not, or at least not picking up on until it's way, way, way too late. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's why I, I sort of think of it as a, can you like step out from whatever you're doing or thinking or feeling and, obs and observe that. Observe yourself mm -hmm. feeling or thinking or doing something. Mm -hmm. So almost a mindfulness... Um, moment can you can you kind of observe mm -hmm. what's going on around you right now and how things are going or, or, or what you're doing um and be aware of it yeah it kind of it to me it, it feels like the difference between in um 
you know, in English class, you talk about the difference between first person and third person. Uh-huh. No, first person uh-huh. is I was doing this and then I'm doing this and this happened to me. And the third person is like the narrator saying, and then he said this to this person and this thing happened to him and mm-hmm. or her and, you know, all that kind of There's stuff. just a little bit more context and information. Yeah. Third person. Distance between. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I think that's kind of it. Like we can all shift in and out of first and third person kind of being in our lives and like in the story or observing it as it's happening. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so maybe there's some, a lack of self-awareness maybe is, it's you, you, It's not that you can't shift out of first and into, th- into third, but that you, something about optimal functioning involves periodically shifting out of first and into third. It's like a normal thing mm-hmm. that should happen periodically. And some people, it like you, you skip a beat, it doesn't happen as often. Just stay as, in that one gear. Yeah, you kind of get stuck in it longer. Hmm. This is, this is fascinating. Cause I think what I, um, as you're talking about this, I often have this talk with clients who have either anxiety or depression where there's this kind of brutal internal dialogue, you know, um, judgmental, critical, negative dialogue in their minds about who they are. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and I'll often try to, to say, can we, can we suspend some of that judgment for a minute and just get curious about you as an mm-hmm. organism and why you're responding to certain things in a certain way, mm-hmm. right? Without any judgment, can we just say, huh, this is interesting. I tend to react this way when these things come up. And I think in a way what I'm trying to coach is more kind of self-awareness without judgment mm-hmm. almost or without that critical nature. But can you become more aware of your motivations, more aware of your um, your habits and your your thoughts than that maybe you are right now mm-hmm. um, without that judgmental kind of overtone to it, but just to kind of look at um, behaviors as, as responses mm-hmm. to a context. Yeah. And I like that word. <laughs> you use that term organism. Can, <laughs> can you be aware of yourself as an organism, which I think is important it's because a careful it, word I've chosen. It will. And okay. <laughs> why, why have you chosen that word in particular? Because I think um, it pulls for the same kind of curious, um, stance that you would have watching a National Geographic show, mm. yeah, right? Where you can recognize like, oh, that animal does this when this happens. Uh-huh. And, and it takes a lot of the like judgment out and it just yeah. makes you a biological organism that has responses to context. Mm. And, and so it loses some of that. Um, you're not a special snowflake anymore. You're just a, yeah, yeah, you're another hunk yeah. of meat trying to, <laughs> trying to survive. <laughs> <laughs> or, or well, in a way, yeah. We all are, right? Right. And, and so, it's good to periodically see ourselves like that. Yeah, just to say, you know, I am a biological being and I do respond to my environment. Mm-hmm. And it seems like I've got habits in the way I respond to environments and I wonder why that is. Mm-hmm. Instead of why am I such a piece of crap and why can't I get my stuff together? And why why am I an idiot? And Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, wow, I, I'm more and more curious about self-awareness because in, in a way the more self-aware you become, it seems like the more protected against pathology you would be. Mm, that's big. Unpack that a little bit. Well, if you be, you know, if your self-awareness basically increases your own understanding of who you are, how you respond to certain things, how people perceive you, um, and, and you're, and you're accurate with that. If you're pretty, if you have a pretty decent, self-awareness kind of repertoire, mm-hmm. you should be pretty protected 
from um, things like rumination and worry. So does that imply that people who really struggle with um, psychopathology, like anxiety or depression, at least in some aspect of their life, they really struggle with self-awareness? Yes. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to, hypothesize mm-hmm. yes but this this sort of implies that again this kind of goes against the idea of self-awareness as a broad trait in that not only is it buildable or is it able to deteriorate <laughs> right but it's also not global you can be self you can be pretty self-aware in one area but that like i'm sure a lot of your sure, sure, depressed sure. clients for instance are, are not generally unself-aware people but when they maybe when they make a big mistake they tend to go into this spiral where they really lack a lot of self-awareness, mm-hmm, maybe mm-hmm. about how they're thinking specifically. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, I'd agree with that. And I, I would agree with you. It's not so simple as just say either the traits present or not. Mm-hmm. Um, because obviously sometimes it might function well and sometimes it's not functioning yeah. as well. But um, So like an example of that for myself is that <laughs> I'm often painfully aware of the fact that I spend all day, every day, talking to my client, a very common topic in therapy is the idea of, well, communication comes up a lot, especially Mm -hmm. communication with spouses and Mm -hmm. significant others. Um, And the idea of uh, defensiveness and uh, either um, validating or judgmental communication. Mm -hmm. So if someone, your spouse comes and says like, oh my God, an awful day, X, Y, and Z happened. Um, my, often my first reaction is, oh, well, here's what you need to do. <laughs> Let me tell you how to fix the problem. <laughs> right. Let me solve this for you. <laughs> right. <laughs> Which is an incredibly um, invalidating way of communicating with someone. And despite the fact that I talk about this all the time in therapy, I still catch myself regularly doing it in mm-hmm. my relationship, like, <laughs> especially when the problem is about me. <laughs> occasionally my wife has a complaint about something i do um how dare she i know i know i'm grateful um <laughs> it happens <laughs> but as soon as that comes up i you know i feel that swell of defensiveness well that's mm. not me that's probably something you're doing right like you just <laughs> right. don't see things correctly <laughs> nah, right Here, let me explain it. why i'm right and yeah. you're not right yeah that's like it's so easy but, huh. but to be able to step back and go oh you know what i'm getting defensive like yeah. someone's poking at me and I don't like being poked. Yeah. <laughs> right. But does that, does that, what's actually going on here? You yeah. Know, to be like, that's, it's really hard, especially, you know, it's one thing for me to point that out with my clients in therapy, but for me in real life, in my relationship with my wife, that's really hard to step back sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. So in the context um, of kind of getting criticism from your partner, self-awareness is a little harder super hard yeah, yeah. than it would be For maybe anyway. in a room with a client you're a little bit more self-aware there maybe yeah, yeah. you know and, and so maybe i'm gonna i'm gonna modify my my hypothesis that there's a correlation between self-awareness and oh, maybe there is a correlation but there, there's a lot more to it than just are they self-aware or are they not mm-hmm. it might be that it doesn't function properly in some certain contexts or in certain times or yeah. 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 Well, and that's, that's why I chose that word habit because I think there's something about, um, you, you have this like meta habit of regularly kind of monitoring yourself. Um, cause anyone, anyone can step back and go like, okay, yeah, I said this and then I started to feel guilty. And so I got kind of angry and pointed the finger over there and like, so you, you, anyone can do that. But 
do you, do you regularly make, is that a regularly a habit that you check in with yourself and sort of say what's going on here and get curious about your own reactions mm-hmm. and behaviors? And, mm-hmm. um, I think that like, so Im- imagine, let, let's say you're pretty, you're pretty good with cars. Mm-hmm. We like auto metaphors or things. <laughs> you say we, oh yeah, we do both have those. Sorry. You're pretty handy around a car, right? <laughs> you know how to change the oil. You know, you, you basically know what an engine, how mm-hmm. it works and mm-hmm. what the various little knobs and levers and belts and because there's lots of levers in lots of levers in an engine (laughs) (laughs) anyway um even if you're that kind of person suppose you don't have a working dashboard on your car in your car Mm -hmm. your check engine light doesn't work Mm -hmm. your low fuel light doesn't work your seatbelt light doesn't work your speedometer doesn't work even though you're an expert in cars you're going to end up going too fast a lot. You're going to end up running out of gas. Mm. You're going to end up like driving your car when there's a problem because you don't like, you don't have a habit of checking, like who checks their engine meticulously every time they start their car up. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like no way. But, but a dashboard helps us be regularly self-aware of how our car's working. Right. Right. And so you can imagine there are some people maybe have slightly more primitive dashboards and some people have really sophisticated well-functioning dashboards. That's a good way to put it. Maybe some people are just kind of doing it by sound. Yeah, right. <laughs> right? Like, I, hmm. I think the engine sounds Everything okay. sounds fine. All right. I think it sounds like I have gas in the There's tank. no smoke, so <laughs> everything's fine. And then some people have instrument an instrument panel yeah. that has been developed that really actually shows a much more accurate right. um, and, and um, uh, current functioning of mm-hmm. the engine. Yeah, interesting. Or maybe, maybe we all have a dashboard, but some of us, read the manual for our cars and actually understand what all the little <laughs> lights mean. And some yeah. of us don't at all. Who who do you know in your life um, that is really self-aware that you would point out and say that person seems pretty self-aware? It's mm, a good question. Um, I think, well, I think my wife's really self-aware. Actually. Is that right? Yeah. Um, what, what about her? Do you look at and say, wow, she's really self-aware? Um, well, she just, whenever something difficult, stressful kind of happens. She's got a pretty good habit of, um, pausing and like thinking through things instead of, she's not very reactive, mm-hmm. I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, she, I, I think she's, she's got a good ability to kind of pause and wait and sort of think through things and go what, you know, what's going on here instead of, so she's not very impulsive, I guess. Is so a, a part sh- of she maybe you think recognizes the, the gravity of the situation She's just not pulled into making impulsive decisions and she's aware enough to say, I need to think about this. This Mm -hmm. is a big enough issue that I need to give this some time Yeah, and not do this kind of knee jerk reaction thing. And especially stuff with like with herself, Mm -hmm. not just other like other things, but Mm -hmm. even things that come up um, with her. So I I worked with this guy who um, he was he was a salesman. And he was much more experienced kind of than I was. So when I started on this job, they paired me with him. What were you selling? <clears throat> House paintings. House paintings? We'd hit a neighborhood and he would go up and down the streets and, you know, talk people into getting their house painting. And then we were the crew oh, that painted. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Um, but then they were like, hey, you should do the selling part too. You mm-hmm. go with him and watch what he does. Right. I've, I've never seen anyone as self-aware as this person. Huh. It, um, he, he just was really aware of how 
he was behaving, how it was being perceived by others, what would be effective, what wouldn't. I mean, he was really interesting to watch, you know, um, and he could really read other people well and then modify his own behavior, you know, as a salesperson to mm. kind of match them. And then pretty soon he's sold. Yeah. Another. It was incredible. So that this is, and I think my definition doesn't quite capture this element of self-awareness, uh. which is that it's not just self-awareness of, you're not just aware of your thoughts, your behavior, your emotions, but it's, it's also, there's like a self-awareness of, there's an awareness of you in interaction with your environment, like how you relate to your environment. And that's primarily how I see self-awareness. Okay. It's like what the interplay uh-huh. between you and environment. Yeah. Kind of. But I, I also agree with your definition too, definitely wholeheartedly. But mm-hmm. when I hear self-awareness, it seems to be in a, in a, in a context. context of something. Yeah. yeah. And, and usually a social context. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. That makes any sense. Hmm. So, so how do you, let's get a little practical at the end here. How might you, if you want to, if you want to build a better dashboard, <laughs> you know, if you want to increase self worth like let's say you're my, my client, um, who I gave a delightfully non answer to, <laughs> to his question of how do I become more self-aware? Um, how do you, how do you increase, can you increase self-awareness? How might you do that? I think so. What would you prescribe? Here's, it's an interpersonal one, but here's an example of how I became more self-aware. Okay. Um, I noticed in, in grad school, you're in these really small classrooms. There's like eight people around a table Mm -hmm. and the instructor. And that's a very intimate kind of educational setting. Right. Um, and I really enjoyed my classes. I I enjoyed Mm -hmm. grad school. But I noticed that instructors would often stop and look at me and say, do you have a question? Are you okay? (laughs) And I would say, no, I'm fine. You know, and Mm -hmm. I was always confused by that. But it happened enough (laughs) (laughs) that one time when it happened, like in class, I was like, yeah, I'm fine, but why why do you ask? Uh And they just say, well, you look upset. Hmm. And And I started getting this answer a lot. You look upset or you look concerned. Or you look like you have, a, you know, and I started thinking, what am I doing? You have resting upset face. Yeah, I do. <laughs> well, I. Rough. Sorry, I do. So I learned <laughs> this, this corrugator muscle that's uh-huh. right between your eyes. Yep. When you furrow your brow. Mm-hmm. I do this a lot. I think I do too. I do it a lot, especially if I'm thinking about something. Yeah. So an instructor would be talking and I'd be doing this. More just thinking right. and, and kind of wondering and pondering and, but. But to an observer, <laughs> you're, looks, you're projecting your full shit. <laughs> this looks either like I don't believe what I don't want to be here, yeah, or like I'm mad. Mm-hmm. And I've even noticed that in times in a session when a client's talking, I'm like, "Oh, you're doing that. You need to relax. Mm-hmm. You need to like not look at them like you're mm-hmm. pissed," you know? Because it, it it also so what I did is I went home because I could I I knew what I was doing. Yeah, I, I knew like, oh, I'm making this face. So I looked in the mirror. And I was like, oh, that does kind of look like I'm mad. Right. I need to like pay attention to that. What facial mm. expression am I using? Like, how is that working? Because this doesn't give a client a good feeling. Mm. Almost like I don't trust them or like I'm, yeah. you know. Mad at them. Mad or upset. Yeah. Um, and so I just started working more and more on paying attention to that. Just not doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, especially in sessions. I didn't want to give any client the impression that I was as I'm listening intently, they're going, Oh God, he doesn't even believe a word I'm saying. Right. And he's pissed, you know? <laughs> so, um, but I, and I'm not perfect at it. Definitely not perfect, but I think I'm better at it than yeah. I was. So. That's great. 
it's one example, example of mm-hmm. yeah of that. So sometimes I think the maybe we can kind of flip the problem and what what if we looked at it instead of how do I increase self like I think I think a lot of failures of self awareness are it's not that you don't have self awareness it's that self awareness gets obscured by things or gets kind of weighed down by things so that's abstract um, but I think oftentimes we we lack self-awareness when we're incentivized to look the other way, to not pay attention to something like about ourselves. So for instance, um, well, like in my conversation about getting defensive in a conversation with my wife, Mm. right. Mm -hmm. And kind of saying, well, basically (laughs) it's not me, it's you. The motivation (laughs) to save face. Right. When you, um, or this happens driving a lot. Like this this will happen to me driving. I'll, I'll be, someone will cut me off. And I'll go, that son of a, you know, <laughs> like instantly get angry. Um, but what if I really pay attention, what I realize is that I notice maybe I wasn't doing something correctly while I was driving. Like I wasn't paying attention to the fact that I'm actually kind of going slow. I'm going below the speed limit, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. In the left lane, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> so, but that anger and that judgment of someone else, yeah. that what that does is it functions to keep me feeling better. Like by feeling angry at someone else, mm-hmm. right? I can avoid this uncomfortable thing in myself. And the side effect is I'm not aware of myself because how I'm feeling right now is actually kind of uncomfortable. Like mm-hmm. it's painful. Mm-hmm. I, I actually feel guilty if I stop and think about it, like mm-hmm. I was doing something wrong. Much easier to feel upset, like self-righteously at someone else. Mm-hmm. So in that moment, I'm yeah, I'm not self-aware. It's not because I lack the ability to be self-aware or even because I'm not, good at checking in with myself, but because I'm really incentivized not to look at myself. In this moment. Yeah, in this particular moment. So do you think it's that or I'm just not trained to do that? I, I don't. I haven't practiced self-awareness enough to do that. Well, so I, I think instead of thinking about how can I be more self-aware, one way to look at it would be what are the things that cause me to temporarily be really unself-aware? Mm. And in, in therapy, one of the things I, I work with clients on is <laughs> what I kind of is kind of cheesy, but... I talk about emotional kryptonite. <laughs> so nobody likes negative emotions, whether it's, you know, anxiety or sadness or guilt or, you know, whatever it is. Um, they're all uncomfortable. But some of us, we all have, I think maybe we all have certain negative emotions that we really don't like, mm-hmm. like really, really don't like. Particularly difficult. Yeah, yeah, especially. So for a lot of people, um, it might be, say, loneliness, mm-hmm. right? Nobody likes feeling anxious. No one likes feeling sad, but like, I really don't like feeling lonely. Mm -hmm. So I will go to great lengths to avoid feeling lonely. Mm -hmm. Now, if this is your emotional kryptonite, the one that you really try and avoid, that could be a strong target or that could be a thing that really causes lapses in self-awareness. Anytime you find yourself in a situation where you could end up feeling lonely, you have kind of a defense mechanism that says, we really don't want to feel that. So we're going to like, we're not going to pay attention to how we're feeling. We're going to go outward, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think being aware of the things that tend to sabotage your self-awareness mm-hmm. is another way to, to kind of get at the idea of improving self-awareness. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it's sort of a backwards way of looking at it, but I think... Yeah, I like it though. It makes sense. Yeah, I think I, I would give almost the same advice. Wherever you're having a problem, get more scientific about that problem mm-hmm. and less judgmental. And really look at yourself as a variable in this mix, you know, like 
And curious, you use the word yeah, curious. curious. Yeah. Uh, that in itself is almost a good definition for self-awareness. It's the habit of being curious about, about yourself. yourself. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Yeah, that, that's, I like that. Probably because it came from my mm-hmm. statement. From you. <laughs> that's a mic drop, I think. That's good. That's good. <laughs> Hey everyone, Nick and I really appreciate you listening to the podcast. Please rate us on iTunes if you get a chance. And if you have any feedback or comments for us, that'd be great as well. And if you have any questions or topics you'd like us to cover in the podcast, let us know in the comment section as well. Thanks.